Dear friends, a word from the book of Daniel, chapter 6, selected verses. Now when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went to his house. It had windows on its upper story that opened toward Jerusalem. Three times each day he would get on his knees and pray and offer praise before his God. He continued to do that just as he had been doing before this. Then these men came as a group and found Daniel praying and seeking favor from his God. They then went and asked the king about the decree. Your majesty, did you not sign a decree that anyone who prays to any God or person for 30 days except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the den of lions? The king answered, indeed I did. The order is established as a law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then the king gave the order, and Daniel was brought down and thrown into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the pit. The king sealed it with his signet ring and the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing could be changed with regard to Daniel's situation. Then the king went to his palace. He spent the night without food, and no entertainment was brought before him, but he could not sleep. At dawn, the king arose as soon as it was light and hurried to the lion's den. As he came near the pit, he cried out in a fearful voice. The king said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve continually, able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. Your majesty, may you live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because he found me innocent in his presence. Also, before you, your majesty, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very glad and said that Daniel should be brought up from the pit. So Daniel was brought up from the pit and he was unharmed because he trusted in his God. The word of the Lord. Dear friends, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So you may be wondering, Daniel and the lion's den, I love that story, but why on Thanksgiving? I will give you the weakest reason right now. There are many mouths to feed perhaps surrounding you right now, or waiting or driving to you right now, or maybe waiting for you to drive to them. Just as there were many mouths to feed in Persia, apparently a den of lions, hungry lions prowling around, but also a whole smattering of jealous officials seeking a promotion. They were hungry mouths. Also, the hungry mouth of pride inside the arrogant king, and not the least of which this hungry mouth of the roaring lion himself, the devil, looking for someone to devour. Yeah, there were, there were a lot of hungry mouths in ancient Persia. And none of them 
we're too excited about mouths opening up in order to thank and praise the true and the living God. In fact, we can guess that at least one of those hungry mouths that I mentioned was looking to do just that, to shut mouths. And so your bellies may be ready, grumbling, or geared up for action tomorrow with thanksgiving. You may have a hungry mouth, bodily speaking, tonight, and willing to open for food, for a thanksgiving feast. Let's make sure our mouths are also willing to open up and are not, shout, are not shut to thanksgiving this time around or any time for that matter. God has a word for those of us with shut mouths who don't thank God enough, which as we account for sin, probably assuredly means each and every one of us. God's word for shut mouths this evening. And this is his word. First, find the bad things and say thanks. And second, face and fight the barriers to giving thanks. Because there's another reason to read this account tonight, and that's the fact that thanksgiving born of faith has the power to outlive any punishment and to overshadow empires. That's what happened to Daniel. Daniel had outlived the first empire that came through and invaded Judah and Jerusalem just as promised, just as the book of Daniel says at the end of chapter 1 that we looked at a few weeks ago for a sermon text then. Daniel outlived Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, and then his successors, including Belshazzar. The handwriting was on the wall, 539 B.C., a Babylonian wall literally handwriting this mysterious thing. And that very night, do you know what happened? The Medes and Persians conquered through and put Babylon to its end. And there was a new king, Darius the Mede. And Darius the Mede divided out his kingdom into 120 satrapies. We might call them provinces or states. And each satrapy had its satrap official. And over 120 satraps were three administrators. And guess who was set to be promoted over all of them? The 120 satraps, the top administrator. See, Daniel, his gift of, of faith afforded him so many blessings. And we'll remind ourselves, not a gift of faith that came from his deepest urging or longing or some great strength of his own, but as Daniel would be the first to say, faith in the true and living God and his coming Messiah. He so distinguished himself that there were those hungry mouths I mentioned before, these jealous officials. And what they noticed was something anyone could see that whether he had brought it from Jerusalem as a member of the royal family and a believer in Christ, or whether he had just developed really good habits along the way, Daniel had this prayer activity that he did three times a day, a, a beautiful and a lovely routine. He didn't go off in a corner, but 
he listened to the promises of Solomon who spoke when the temple was built hundreds of years before this and said, like Solomon said, if anyone looks this direction, Lord, please bless them. If anyone's taken away from this place and doesn't have a temple to pray, give them great blessings. So Daniel went upstairs to a wide open window and he prayed. He prayed to the true and living God. He prayed to Jesus. He balanced his prayers and anyone could see. And when the other public officials heard that Daniel would soon be placed over them, they decided it was time to take Daniel down. It was time to discredit him and they were going to use his religion to do so. And so we didn't get the full story, but I think we get enough in the selected verses. But uh, if you ever want to go back and read all of Daniel 6, it's worth it. What they're looking to do is get the king to sign an edict, a decree, a new law that would go out into the land that no one could pray to any god. Remember, this was a mishmash of all kinds of different cultures and religions in what was just a few moments ago Babylon, now Medo-Persia. Anyone who prayed to any other god except for his majesty, King Darius, would be thrown into the den of hungry lions. And in Medo-Persia, any new law such as this, once stamped and signed, could not be taken back, could not be revoked. Meanwhile, Daniel, who had let his light shine bright and clear, pretty much from the moment he set foot in these eastern lands, Daniel doesn't seem like he even skips a beat. Doesn't seem like he has a choice to make. He just continues with his custom. He goes through with his customary prayers. He goes upstairs to his wide open window for anyone to see and prays to the true and the living God. Now, we might impute some bad motives on him, maybe to excuse ourselves. Maybe we say, well, you know, Daniel, you know, you, you didn't have to do that. Were you trying to get on the king's bad side? Were you trying to breed more contempt from your jealous foes? And maybe you could have taken that prayer somewhere else or, you know, maybe just kind of hit it. Daniel, were you out to boast and brag? But I think it's good even when reading the scriptures to put the Eighth Commandment to use, preserve people's reputation, think the best, in fact, even take examples from something that a biblical figure has done years and years ago. Because Daniel wasn't out to make a big deal out of his prayer or a big show. The fact of the matter was this is what he always did. And he knew that the God of Israel had revealed himself as a God of undeserved love. He knew where there was to be found true mercy on a cosmic, eternal scale. And he knew exactly who to go to when this kind of pressure was applied from the government from above. Perhaps not just for himself, but for others who would face the same heat. Oh, and a new law like this, even in this new empire, with all of its flashiness and unrevokedness of, of the Medo-Persians, this couldn't change the one true, eternal, and living God, one iota, not one emanation or penumbra. 
this God was still the God of faithful love for generations, and he would still be the, the God of free and faithful love for generations to come. For all Daniel knew, this was the last prayer he would ever pray outside of a lion's den. And something that I really want to show to you, I'm not a great translator of Aramaic. This is a rougher part of the Bible when you're used to Hebrew. You get into these Aramaic passages. You get some of them in Daniel. But there are some similarities, and, and it's manageable. The first prayer that Daniel goes and prays in this list, at least in Aramaic, it's a little bit of a list, when he kneels down and prays, the first pray, prayer that he prays, even before he prays for God's mercy and for help, before he pleads for God to be with him, it's a word of praise and thanksgiving. Now how about that? Daniel, who saw his nation destroyed by invaders, who was taken off as captive and servant of conquerors, who was about to face new pressure, new heat for living his faith, first thing that comes out of his mouth is, thanks? He thanked God? We are very used to praying thanks to God for the goods. What about the bads? Doesn't faith thank God for both? This is what Paul says, we just read it. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Maybe some circumstances, all circumstances. Good circumstances, all circumstances. Even the bad circumstances, all circumstances. Usually our prayers of thanksgiving turn out to be thanking God for the things that we like. But isn't that in itself an act of unthankfulness. Think about this. Dear God, I like some of the things you do, so thank you for those. But to be perfectly honest, God, there are some things that you let happen in my life that, to be truly honest, I'm not, I'm not so thankful for. Sickness, disease, trying times, death, financial setbacks, family feuds and squabbles, hardships at work, frustration at school, obstacle to my goals, and so on and, and so forth. Shouldn't we thank God for those things too? And in the long run, when you say that prayer of thanksgiving, won't this too also work out for your good? The words of Job come to mind. Should we accept good from God and not evil? The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. We know Jesus. We often gloss over it because it's more of a contextual setup. It's usually just kind of giving us the circumstances, but so often... Our Lord Jesus goes and prays, or he's trying to get to prayer, and then the people bug him, and then some narrative happens, and so we forget about the fact that he was praying, but just think about that. What, what is it that Jesus was praying? Yeah, we get a good sense of that in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer, praying 
for what was about to happen, for, for the hardships he would face, as well as his disciples and the believers to come. You get a good sense of it in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's wrestling with his father's will, because we know he'll follow it. But we realize, man, this is really hard, even for Jesus, the Son of God, because he's true man. And he's not drawing on his divine power in this circumstance. But then there are those times when we wonder, is Jesus thanking the Father for this chance to carry out the plan that the triune God has decided from step one, before step one? I mean, you see it in Holy Communion. What does he do? He gave thanks, and then he gave up his body. He gave thanks, and then he gave up his blood. He gave thanks because it pleased the Father to show his will. And we get to watch it all unroll every time we open the scripture. And so with Paul, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. We've talked about the bad things to say thanks. What about the barriers to giving thanks? Another reason that this is a really good Account of the Bible to look at. Daniel and the lion's den on Thanksgiving is because it's a really good example of the barriers that we face to giving thanks. Look at Daniel's prayer crime. Daniel understood that by going up those steps, by praying his prayer once again, if he avoided that, if he avoided his faith, it would be as good as denying his faith. I mean, just think about it. He was known as a, a true worshiper and a follower of, of the living and the eternal God when there was no penalties, no price to pay, no pain to follow. What about now? The people who had seen him up in his upstairs window as, as a witness may have thought, who does this high administrator pray for? I would like some of that God. I would like to know that God. I would like to understand the relationship there and what sets this God apart from all the other people in this messed up empire and this continual conquering in this ancient world. But now when there was a law, was he supposed to not march right up those stairs to the open window and do it again? And that faith seems so great. So let me bring it down to your level and by your, I mean, our level here, generations after Daniel. Are we so different than Daniel? Do you pray three times a day? You might not even think about it unless you really think about it. What about your table prayers? Maybe you don't march up to an upstairs open window, but maybe you're in a restaurant somewhere and you don't hesitate or shy away from the opportunity to fold your hands and bow your heads, whether silently or softly in front of other people and say that prayer. What mouth here is shut to that kind of thanks? Do you set aside your faith in those moments just to avoid the insults or the inconvenience or the oddball looks or less? Is that any better than denying your faith? Maybe for a little bit of color, we do live in a world where people have very recently been arrested for, you guessed it, prayer. In Great Britain, there was a woman who was not 
too far from an abortion clinic when there were some police who came and arrested her. And if you watch that exchange online, it's, it's fascinating, it's bizarre, the way that the, priest, the, the police approach her. This is a line, they say, you said you've been engaging in prayer, which is the offense. So they said when, when she asked why they were arresting him, there are mouths to feed. There are hungry mouths to feed. Hungry lions who long to devour you for your faith. And I'm not here to stand up and say, oh, how bad that is. We Christians, once again, we're the victims and, and we ought to feel bad about it and, and go and make some kind of stand on the street corner. It's just an awareness. Maybe it won't be too long before those kinds of laws come to the USA. So what then? When you look back and you see a nation where you were free without any, any kind of hassle or harassment to say a free prayer of thanks in front of a group of people, when the pressure is on and you face new laws that say you can't pray, not even silently, because we're looking out for those, those kind of individuals, we're, we're going to find you. What will stop you from praying? Will anything? Will you claw and paw your way to thanksgiving even when it's illegal? What thing will you call, crawl through just to say a prayer of thanks? Knowing not just what might be illegal, but also what Jesus went through just so you could say a prayer of thanks. These prayers are not free. We should not be able to pray to Jesus. We are not righteous of our own works. The only way that believers pray is the same way we pretty much do everything, is by faith alone in God's gracious hand of blessing. And because of Jesus, our prayers are free. So do it. So say your prayers of thanksgiving and clamor them out loud and share them with people who may, may not want to hear it because who knows what that witness will do. Paul says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Oh, the rest is history. You know what happened. Daniel was captured because those jealous officials wanted to shut his mouth. And so they wanted to shut the mouth of the king. They showed him the law once again. He couldn't say anything, even though he, he was friends with Daniel. He wanted good things for Daniel. They shut him in that den of lions, and they shut the door of that pit with a rock, and they sealed it, kind of like, a, like an Easter tomb. There's, there's not exactly parallels here, but there's some interesting similarities, just to keep everyone honest. And then what happened with that overnight stay? From that point on, God was doing the shutting. The king himself couldn't get any shut-eye. He shut down his own personal entertainment because he realized with this foolish decree, not only was I hoodwinked by these officials, but I also probably lost the best, most faithful, most loyal official. But the Lord sent his angel and he overruled that government. In the greatest government shutdown ever, 
the Lord sent his angel to shut the mouth of the lion and save Daniel. He shut down the guilt. He shut down anything that would incriminate him. And so you see this first thing that Daniel says is, O king, live forever, proving, once again, his loyalty before he says, I've been declared innocent before this God. And just as the true and living God overruled a whole empire after whole empire, so also he overrules an empire of sins that tries to lay claim on you with his royal gifts of grace and his love. Why Daniel and the lion's den on Thanksgiving? Well, there are mouths of praise and thanks to open what hunger we have for God tonight, knowing that every day is a gift of his grace. In the name of Jesus, amen.